the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? Nick Caligaro-Mitros, and we are episode three, season three of the Paper Trails Podcast. I am fired up to be here with Darius and Cameron Amidi. Um, so these guys are part of the Improper Pig. Uh, we have owner, GM chef, uh, father-son combo. I'm super excited to have an awesome conversation, talk about the industry, stories, you know, just good times, laughs, the whole thing. Um, and so we are super pumped. If you guys are first tuning in to the podcast, make sure you guys look us up, find us, follow, subscribe, everything um, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all your, all your local resources. And so uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to bring another episode of uh, people here in the Charlotte area that are making it happen in the food hospitality business and just uh, talking about how we started. And so um, anyway, thanks guys for, for hopping on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Appreciate it. So um, let's do this. Let's, let's take a little, a little deep dive years ago when you guys started the food business. Um, Darius, I'm assuming we'll, we'll start with you. It's a deep, uh, that's a deep dive. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit, how, how did you get into the business? How did it start? Have you always been in the food business? You know, give, give, give us a little context. Okay, so my father was in the hotel restaurant business for 40 years. Okay. So I actually, we moved around, we traveled um, probably different cities, probably sometimes twice a year we got moved in uh, different positions. He worked for like Holiday and Parent Company, um, Intercontinental Hotels, uh, Marriott, Hilton, you name it. Um, We actually, uh, he ran the last Hilton Playboy Club Hotel. So growing up as a kid, got to hang around the Playboy Club, which was kind of interesting, but- Where was that at? Lansing, Michigan. Okay, so Michigan, all right. So um, I was always in the kitchens with the chef, hanging out, and uh, some of his best friends were actually chefs. So uh, one of them, Giovanni, He's from Germany, and uh, uh, we still know their family really well, but it's it's just always been cooking and from four years old, messing up the kitchen. Love it, love it, okay. And what did you guys, how did you guys end up in Charlotte? You guys settled here in Charlotte? Yeah, so how, did, how did that happen? I actually, we moved around a lot, and then we had wound up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was working for the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta and the Commerce Club there, and then I decided to move to Charlotte. My parents had moved over here, and. You know, sometimes when you're younger, you follow your parents and like to be close to them. And so got to Charlotte and my dad was like, hey, I've got this guy I want you to meet. And I started with a Harper's Restaurant Group. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spent about 20 years with Harper's Restaurant Group. And then I've opened up several restaurants for them. And then I wound up moving to Greensboro and then spent about three years there and then came back to Charlotte. Okay, so it sounds like your first um, dive in was the hotel side of the business. Yep. What was that like real fast? If you don't mind me asking, I've never, I don't know much about the hotel side, much different than restaurant, the same, you know. It's a little bit different. Um, So restaurants, you kind of have that flow that comes in every day automatically. And in hotels, you really, you have um, a great breakfast business. And then your lunches are kind of soft unless you have a lot of caterings and events. Um, But we did, we did tons of caterings and events and it was a little bit, in a sense, more relaxed than a restaurant. Restaurants are a little bit more intense, more you have to be on point, you gotta hustle faster. Um, hotel pace is just a little bit quieter, a little bit more relaxed. One better than the other or just different? It's just different. Okay. It's just different. Okay. I, I, I like the hustle and bustle of restaurant. Okay. You know, it's a little bit more exciting. 
It's so uh, it's so interesting you say that. <clears throat> I was talking to your son Cameron, you know, um, before we we started, and we were just talking about just the chaos of restaurants and how you you definitely have to be a unique person to get into this industry because <laughs> of the stress, you know, dealing yep. with all parts of the business. I mean, you gotta have should, thick skin. Yeah, we, yeah we, we, we <laughs> the like time consumption. That. You know, if you love it, you're living here. You know, uh, and that's that, that's how it goes. You uh, you're dedicated not only to your craft, but this is your life now, and uh, you have to find your balance between not having your balance, which is really awesome. We love that. You know, love that. So true. So true. So, uh, so you said Atlanta, Greensboro, Charlotte, yep. Harper's twenty years started restaurants yep. with that. Uh, like, tell us that. Tell tell us the the beginning phases of learning management leadership opening stores i mean i'm sure now that you know both of you guys have been involved in restaurants and open locations it's probably second nature but in the beginning for somebody that wants to maybe get into space that wants to start a business from scratch you know in particular a restaurant i mean it's not easy I it, mean, it, it, it it's not and, and i would tell anybody who wants to get in the restaurant business before you go to culinary school before you go and take a bank loan and try to open a restaurant yeah Go work in one. 100%. Go spend some time in there, get your feet wet, and put a year or two in it. See if you really, really love it and want to, you know, can't live without it and it's something you want to do. Because I see so many people that open up restaurants that fail, you know, a year later, sometimes less, maybe two years later, but then they're in debt, they've ruined their life. Um, it's something that you really have to want to do. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see somebody, you know, like fail and so. I don't know, my, my suggestion is not only one restaurant, don't work at two restaurants for a couple of years. Yep. Learn a all different sides of yep. the business before you venture out. Oh, because, I agree, yeah. You know, I mean, if you take your life savings or whatever, you know, the 68,000, 194,000, whatever amount of money you have, and you want to start this food truck, this catering company, this restaurant, um, it's tough. I mean, just because you can make a good pie doesn't mean you can have a business successful selling pies. That, you know, oh yeah. It's, it's it doesn't separate. mean it doesn't mean you can be profitable. You have to know how to be profitable 100%. and make money. hundred percent. Great. Sometimes great chefs don't know how to make money. They know how to make great food. You know, and so to, to find a chef or a person who is well versed between being able to create cool menu items and, uh, and delicious food and translate that into a profit, that's what you want to find. Hundred percent. Okay. So, Cameron, fill us in a little bit. I mean, obviously. You grew up in the you grew up in the business. I mean, it's like yeah. kind of how my story is. Absolutely. You know, just you know, grew up in the business. For me, eight, ten, twelve years old, I'm busting tables at my dad's restaurant. I'm bringing you know the takeout, you know, to uh, to go orders to the front. I mean, right, I'm right. I'm literally doing you know, the little things. Um, what was your first introduction? Did you always like food? Did you? I mean, how how did you know from the beginning that you wanted? Did you learn that you liked it? How how did you get your food? Your, your, your step into the food business? Man, you know, um, obviously I always loved food. I, I was a pretty big kid when I was younger. I was a little chunky, so um, I always in, I enjoyed food. Um, I remember when I was a kid sometimes, you know, my, my mom worked at a daycare uh, so she could take care of us once we got out of school, and he was always at work. Yeah. Um, he was cleaning restaurants, so there'd be some days where she wouldn't be able to have me or whatever it is, and so he'd take me, you know, whether it was time for inventory or, uh, you know, anything. And, I'd go in with them and I'd see all, you know, the baked goods on the speed racks cooling down and he'd pop one out, let me try it. Or, you know, I'd go into the walk-in and everybody knows if you've been in a restaurant, you know that restaurant smell. 
um, when someone comes home from a long day and you smell like everything Anna have from the kitchen. <laughs> that is and, uh, so true, oh, isn't it? Man, <laughs> you, you, you smell like the trash can, you smell like the bacon, you smell like everything. And, um, oh my. and Tide can't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> the and, number of shirts that my dad has ruined, my, dad, my mom has gotten mad at because of the oil or the grease, I'm like, oh. oh it's unbelievable. But uh, I love that smell. Okay. Um, I, I love when he would come home. So, I mean, he'd be coming home sometimes midnight. Uh, and he would come into the room or say hello, and you could just, it, it would cover the room, and I always loved that. Uh, but my first introduction to the, the restaurant game, honestly, is I was actually a martial arts instructor before I did uh, cooking. Okay. Um, it was the, it's in Charlotte, actually. It's Leadership Martial Arts. Okay. Uh, I was a youth instructor, and I was developing into being a uh, full-time instructor for them. Okay. Um, and I did martial arts for about 12, 13 years. Uh, got my blue belt from Henzo Gracie. He, you know, the Gracie family is one of the know. biggest yeah, for yeah. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we have a lot of ties into the martial arts industry. And when, once I turned 18, or uh, right before 18, I was about 17. And I was like, you know what, I want to give it a try. Every now and again, they had a food truck. So I would go, uh, you know, portion sandwiches on the food truck. Or, you know, at uh, our other restaurant, uh, the Pizza Peel, the one on Central, yeah. we would have these big outside, uh, you know, whole pig roast sauce with this Hawaiian smoker. Okay. Uh, and so I would, you know, put the pork on the sandwich and, you know, serve it or oh, weigh it out. Yeah, 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 do, yeah, do whatever I could. And when I turned 18, I was like, you know what, man, let's give it a try. Um, and I loved it. I fell in love with it. It's something that uh, and even... you first started at Improper Pig or at Peel? I started at the Pizza Peel originally, okay. actually, uh, the one in Cotswold. Okay. Um, and I started there. Uh, my chef at the time, or she wasn't the chef at the time, but her name's Roxana. She uh, pretty much showed me... Pretty much everything in the kitchen I needed. Uh, Greg, he's also one of our assistant directors here. He uh, he showed me a lot of stuff. They were kind of under my wing. I didn't want to work directly under him, and he didn't want me to work directly under him either. Um, I had to kind of show myself, prove myself that I'm not just coming in trying to sure. uh, just jump on. You know, I, I had to do it. I had to be there, and uh, I had to master it before I was able to continue forward. Is there any like good lessons you learned pretty early about just? The business was it like, like just basic culinary skills? Was it, you know, the attitude of like, hey, we have customers and patrons here that we have to serve. I mean, is there anything that kind of stood out to you about just success or leadership or coming early, staying late, or being the best example, or that you kind of saw that you were like, you know what, okay, like this is kind of cool that I'm, you know, I mean, but I mean, it, it sounds like you probably got a lot of that in martial arts as well. You do get a lot of that in martial arts. Uh, growing up, uh, we had this thing called a leadership team, which pretty much was uh, there. There'd be team building exercises, you teaching children, and uh, there there was something cool that we did all the time. It, it was a A through Z game, so the the first letter of the alphabet, everybody had to consistently change all the way to the end of the alphabet. Each first word had to be a positive word. Nice. So amazing, best, creative, you know, and you go all the way through that process. Okay. Um, and obviously, by the time you get to Z, everybody's like, well, what's a positive word for Z? Zesty? You know, yeah. like, you don't really know. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> the leadership aspect on that part, I, I, I really didn't have a problem uh, talking to people and, you know, kind of figuring it out. Yeah, but yeah, I, like I, I feel like what it was is, is, you know, to be successful in this game, you, you have to be incredibly humble and let your action be instead of your words. Um, you, you meet a lot of people in the game that are, you know, look at me, uh, and, and you can't be that person. You have to be the one that knows it, A to Z. You have to know the techniques. You have yeah. to know the knife skills. You have to be, you know, number one in safety, cleanliness. There, there is a plethora of things that you have to be, you know, deeply knowledgeable about. And if you're not, then, you know, you kind of see things slip by. 
Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say number one point for me to success is, and this is in any field, that you, you have to truly know what you're doing. Um, you have to love what you're doing. And if you don't love and know what you're doing, then it probably won't work out, yeah. you know? That's so true. I mean, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Jerry, it's about, you know, if you have an interest in the business, no matter what it is, a catering company, a food truck, an actual restaurant, yeah. like, man, know what you're doing. Do your due diligence. Go, go study. Don't just blindly go out there and, you know, start whatever XYZ company. So, um, you have to be a part of your community. True. True. Any, any thoughts on, on, on any of that? Well, I think, I think when it comes to any restaurant, you have to be connected to your community Yeah. because you don't, we don't worry about the people that are eight to 10 miles away. We have to worry about the people that are in our three to four mile radius. And that's, yep. that's our neighborhoods that support us and we have to support them. Um, I did want to comment like, yeah, you know, when ahead. Cameron does, did martial arts, you know, we were lucky enough to do that for 12 years together. Wow. But the one thing from him being on a leadership team, and I would tell this to anyone that has kids, martial arts is a great thing for, forget about the self-defense side of it, is that he was taught how to talk to people and how to articulate things. And you don't really get taught that in the restaurant business. So if you either learn to have leadership quality skills and soft skills early on, or some people today as adults don't have soft skills. Yeah, I agree. You know, and you have to be able to bounce back and forth between soft and hard skills. I agree. What, what was it like seeing your son come into the restaurant? Was it cool? Was it exciting? Were you a little nervous? Like, okay, let's see how this is going to pan oh, out. I, I was actually really proud that he wanted to do it, but I also, I wanted to be hands off. And, you know, I, I looked at Greg when he said he really wanted to give a shot at the pizza bill. And I said, Greg, you know, if he doesn't do his job, fire him like you would anything else, yeah. you know, and, and that wholeheartedly, no one would ever want to have to fire your own child, child yeah. but at the same time, we're a business and I figured if he really wants to do this, he has to learn to go through the ranks just yep. like everybody else. And, you know, I'm proud that he's done what he's done in this short amount of time. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, being 25 and being where he's at now is a lot different than where I was. Love it. Love it. I mean, just, I think that that speaks volumes to, you know, um, you wanted Cameron to pay his own dues and not have any special privileges. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, like, listen, we're all going to start at the, at the dish pit or rapid baked potatoes or whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, doing, doing the, you know, closing and scrubbing the floors, you know what I mean? So I love that. Okay. So how, um, tell us a little bit about how you guys got started involved with improper pig and the whole, you know, so obviously you were at Harper's, you said, yep. and then give us a little transition on how that started. So with, um, with Harper's, uh, one of the main owners of Harper's was Will's dad. Um, Will Bigham's one of the main owners of Improper Pig and the Stomp, Chomp and Roll group. And um, I had left Harper's to, I'm not going to say the name of the company sure, I went okay. to, but I, I, I was not, you know, I wasn't looking for a job. Sure. Something came across the plate that I was like, after 20 years, I was like, oh, let me just give this a try. Sure. And it, it didn't really, it wasn't for me. So um, I took a little bit of break. I took like, I think 90 days off and just kind of recouped and relaxed a little bit. And then it was like, okay, let's get back in it. And then I heard, I, I knew Will when he was younger um, and I knew he had Mama Fu's uh, Asian restaurant concept. I didn't know about the flying biscuits or uh, the pizza peels that he had, but I had made a joke with him, you know, when I was working at South Park Harper's, he came in one day to pick up food and uh, I looked at him and I was like, yeah, maybe one day I'll work with you. And he was like, yeah, you don't want to do this. Cause you know, he was you know, the main guy doing everything himself and grinding it out. And uh, you know, I was working for a bigger group that actually had you know, a lot more people and more support. Sure. 
So then here, years later, we turn around and, you know, I heard that he was looking for some help. So we met, talked, and, you know, I've been with him 11 years now. That's awesome. You know, and, and Will and I sat down uh, table 30 at the Pizza Peel Cotswold, and we were like, what do we want to do with the Mama Foos concept? Because um, that was actually, uh, sales have been dropping off. Uh, Asian restaurant and that shopping center was there for like 10 years. So <clears throat> we turned around and uh, just hashed it out on the table, and we were like, well, let's do barbecue. He always wanted to do barbecue. I'm game to do anything when it comes to food. So we were like, well, let's put together something. And in less than 30 days, we created a concept. In less than 90 days, we reopened that restaurant. Wow. So, so that, that was a pretty cool experience to put it all together. Um, we wrote the menu before we ever got in the building. And once we got in the building, I made the recipes and um, all of the food items with the team and put it all together and we opened up. What are some things that you learned from that? Like, like new concept, new menu, I mean, that, that I mean, was it, was, it, was it the first time you've done something like that? So I have opened for other people and their concepts. I think I've opened up 18 restaurants now. Wow. And that's the first time that I wrote a menu and then dropped it in place after the building was built. Gotcha. You know, so, you know, that restaurant existed, but it was, you know, had to be renovated and all that to the specs for the pig. Yeah. Um, so learning from that. I think a lot of people go, let's build our food first and then they build their brand. But yeah. I think if you can become a great restaurant that you know, smokes food or creates great items, then what do you do is that you, you focus on the vision you have for your menu yeah. and then you put it into effect. Yeah, I think so. You know, even for, for anybody listening, um, I mean, there's something to be said about doing something with speed, right? Like just decide, you know, like what's, the, what's the saying? Um, make a decision first and then make that decision right. Yep. Right? Because like complacency or just being lackadaisical or, you know, analysis paralysis where you have to get all the details first before you actually start, like just start. Sometimes just, you just got to get to work. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, don't be dumb, you know, like, you know, yep. don't be investing all your money in a restaurant with no due diligence, but there's some things that you just, you will learn along the way and yep. you just need to just go out and try and do it. So there's, there's something to be said about uh, speed and making decisions quick and let's, okay, you, Will's on the same page, Garrett's on the same page, let's go. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I agree because too many people actually, they talk about doing things yeah. and then they sit down and they think about all the what ifs. Yes. And so they have to map out all these what ifs. Well, if we do this, this is gonna happen or that's gonna happen and we're gonna need this or we're gonna need that. And before you know it, three months, six months later, nine months later, yeah. you haven't done anything yeah. except for create a list of what ifs. So you really just need to figure out what you want to do and lay down the plan to do it and just get to work. And the other thing is that 95% of those what ifs probably don't even happen. Yeah. You're just, you're just building anxiety and some kind of in your mind. It's like, dude, what if everything works perfect? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what if, you know, That's the thing. If your vision's really good and your idea is really good, then build everything around it to make it a success. But don't sit there and play mind games with yourself yes. about all the ways you can fail at it. Yes, I agree. Cameron, any thoughts on that? On yeah. speed or you know making a decision or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm 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 big in believing in manifestation of what you can visualize in your head is what you can put out into the world and um, stopping yourself with mental blockades of what ifs it, it 
for, for us, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, it's uh, why, why would you create a stagnant area for yourself to be stuck in life where yeah. you feel like you can't progress because of certain specific items that maybe you don't know how to tackle yet? You know, it's, it's easier to attack something and learn how to tackle it rather than sit down and go, well, continuously think nonstop of how you're going to tackle this or address this situation, you know? Um, don't get too hung up on things. Live life, go through it, learn it, experience it, yeah. fail. Fail, fail, fail. Yeah. That's how you get good. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think people think the opposite of, of success is failing, and the reality is it's not. The opposite of success is quitting, because you have to fail to succeed. Like, there's, yeah. there's no other way. I mean, if, if I went through stories of the idiotic things that my cousin and I did to start our paper distribution business, it'll make you laugh. I mean, it's just, it is just hilarious, but we learn, okay? Right. You don't do this, you do this. And well, so, if you're trying to bake a cake, right? First cake that ever got made, I'm sure it didn't turn out to be a beautiful layer cake. You're right. You know? you're I wonder right. how many times they had to make a cake recipe until they got one that was like, oh, that's a cake. That's it, you're right. So. I love that, I love that. Okay, Cameron, back to you. Um, starting at Pizza Peel, you're learning some of the basics of, yes. of the business. You've got Greg, you've got different people kind of there kind of helping you, showing you the ropes. Tell, tell a little bit about the, that progression. You know, coming early, opening up, closing, learn, paying your dues, putting the hours in. Our business is known for long hours, Absolutely. right? Tell us a little bit about that start of just being young and just green behind the ears, but excited to learn more about yeah. the, the, the space. I mean, everybody knows this. Everybody was young. And once, when you're young, you're hungry. Uh, you, you, you want it. Um, and it doesn't matter what you have to do to get it if you really want it that bad. So, uh, I mean, getting there, when I first started, obviously, when you first start, you don't really get those opportunities to, hey, I want to come in at seven or six and get that extra time. But, you know, whenever you first start, you get there at nine o'clock. If I'm working a double, you know, 12, 13 hour day that day, it's, you know, good morning, chef, what can I get done for you? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it starts is, you know, they put you on the hardest items. They put you on the things that they never want to do. Yeah. Um, one of the things here at the Improper Pig, we do house-made chips. Okay. Um, and the staff hates cooking the chips. <laughs> and um, Listen, they're amazing. They're but, fantastic. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to make the chips. Okay. okay Nobody continue. wants to pull the chicken. Like, for example, we're, we're doing about 600 pounds of hand-pulled chicken a week right now. Yep, hand pulled. Uh, so that's uh, a little over maybe 500 plus chickens um, a week. It's a lot of pulling. It's a lot of chicken. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot of time to pull chicken, you know? Yeah. And uh, so obviously, you know, doing the things that nobody wants for the chef, uh, helping them out, um, whether it's organizing a cooler, labeling things, yeah. uh, cleanliness. Um, hey, dishwasher called out, you're the dishwasher tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, after about the 15th or 20th time within your first two months of trying to be learning how to cook and you're the dishwasher, you're like, man, and uh, it, it kind of fogs you a little bit in the beginning. You're like, man, like, if I'm just gonna be the dishwasher, then I'm just gonna be the dishwasher. It's like, no, 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 it, you're, you're missing the point is that, for me, it was a different perspective. It, it was a respect aspect for who you have in your kitchen yeah. uh, and who you're working with. Yeah. Um, a lot of people might dismiss the dishwasher position or yeah. dismiss that that job isn't hard, but no, that's, that's a pain in the ass, you know. That, that's a hard job, and it's 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 hard to you know get that out of the way all the time, and always be there constantly cleaning dishes, and uh, it's very repetitive. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, after going through all that, being real hungry, you know, it eventually got to the point where it's like, hey, I, I want to learn the inventories, I want to learn the order guides, I want to learn the spreadsheets and the health inspection checklist, or w whatever comes along with you know doing more. 
Um, and something I learned along the way, which is super important to me, and this is kind of what I tell like younger kids that are starting to work with me now, is like sometimes you need to sacrifice your time for knowledge and not your time for money. Um, I, th I think it's super big. If I wouldn't have been coming in at seven o'clock in the morning on my off time, yeah. I'm not clocking in for that. I'm there and I'm learning my time for knowledge and, and, and that's what you're there for. In uh, the times that I came in and didn't worry about money and I worried more about learning my craft and mastering my craft is when I took my next step and when I took my next leap. And uh, once I mastered that area over there, I was kind of like, man, I'm, I'm ready to do some more cooking, you know? Master dough stretching and tossing and when to proof the dough and how long it needs to be pulled out before it's time to serve the pizza or, you know, anything like that. Um, how to make a good Philly cheesesteak, man. We love Philly cheesesteaks. We, okay. we gotta do it right. Uh, so stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what, man, I think it's time to, to go to the pig and learn a wood fire grill and, you know, slow cooking meats and uh, different, you know, how to make roux and different types of cooking, you know? Do you, you prefer one over the other, pizza over? I don't, and I'll tell you why. Um, I was just curious. I, was I could eat pizza every day of my life, and I, okay. it could never get old. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> if I ate barbecue every day, I'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> lots of salt, lots of sugar. Uh, we do have a lot of healthy items, so don't, don't get it twisted. We have a lot of healthy items. But yeah, you know, uh, don't have a preference. I just love food. Um, bread is my favorite food, personally. Uh, bread? Any, any type of bread, any type of uh, carb. That's me. Greek family's main dish right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love that. No, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I love how you speak on, I mean, it's a really good thing, Cameron, that a lot of times in any industry and in anything you want to learn, um, you know, just trading your time, not for money, but for expertise, yes. for knowledge. Um, I mean, there's so much wisdom in that. You know, if you truly want to become a master at blank, You'll have to do that. Yeah. You'll have to, and you know, it's it's not even actually the the if you all really understand it, the the time that you're spending, if you trade it for money, right, you will cap how much money you will make on that. But if you trade it for actual knowledge, dude, now the cap comes off, and you can do a lot more with that that information. Your resume expense. A hundred percent. Thoughts on that, Darius? Well, I think I think like with Cameron, for example, so he got to grow up learning a lot of different things. And I think that any time that you want any kind of knowledge, you have to put some effort towards it. We have a, we have a lot of people in, the, in my history that, oh, I wanna be a manager, I want this, or, or it's the question of how come I've never gotten the opportunity to be. Most of the time it comes down to people not applying themselves. People ask or want things, but they didn't want to hear the take, you know, what they have to do to take the steps to get there. Sure. And honestly, you know, what Cameron says right on point, sometimes you have to sacrifice. If you really want to be a kitchen manager for us in the company, then you really have to be willing to come in and do inventory. You have to be willing to come in and learn. And I don't think that leaders are made the minute that they're hired in a leadership role. Sure. If you're not, ex you know, exhibiting leadership ability when you're actually working as a line cook or a dishwasher or a server or any position. Yeah then you're probably not going to be that leader that we need. Sure. You know, people set, the, set by examples their demeanor, their attitude, their mindset. Um, not saying some people just haven't been taught and they need to learn and grow. Yep. Um, for many reasons, they might not learn different things. But uh, I think for the most part, natural leaders are natural leaders. Yeah. And if you find a couple of good ones that you can 
developing your company. You'll find a couple of people that'll stay loyal to you probably forever as long as they work for you. Sure. No, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, what's the saying? Leadership is spelled E-X-A-M-P-L-E. I mean, you just said that. Just be the proper example, you know, and just, just lead and people will follow. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, tell me this. Obviously, also being kind of director of operations for Stomp, Chomp, and Roll and, and being Will's right-hand man, let's, let's talk about some characteristics of having a successful restaurant. You know, what are some traits, some things that you've seen? Is it having systems in place? Is it having like actual order guides? Is it having good relationships with all of your vendors? Is it, um, and it's, I'm, I'm sure it's probably all the above, you know what I mean? But like, what, what are some, like maybe two or three things or one thing that you've seen, like, you know what? You know, if you were able to put these things in place and stay disciplined with these three things, you know, then the chances of you succeeding in a very difficult industry will exponentially increase. Any, any thoughts on that? I think one of the areas that we still even as a company struggle and have to keep evolving and getting better is um, training. Yeah. Everybody, it, it, keep your training simple. Keep what all of the year, whether it's like server, steps of service. You don't need 20 steps of service when guests come to sit at your table. Mm. You really need to be, you know, give them good hospitality, yeah. make sure that you're knowledgeable of your food and your menu. Um, you need to be keep things down to a minimal where people can actually execute sure. the steps that you want them to do. But okay. if you have so many of them, they're never going to hit them all. Sure. Um, we utilize in our company, we have a travel path that is basically a checklist that the opening manager or closing manager has to do that covers every bit of their job A to Z for the whole day. Wow. Um, we have health inspection checklists, prep sheets, order guides, all that stuff. Um, and then we do an online training program that we've been trying to over the past five years, make better and better as we go um, so that people can study outside of work and gain some you know, more knowledge and just sit there on their own time, sip a beer and relax and actually um, learn all that they can learn. So um, that. that's really having the right tools and just yeah. making sure that you keep it simple. I love that. I mean, you want to keep it simple because it's the most duplicatable way to scale anything, right? If you want to continue to grow or teach and train people, I think that's powerful. I think also the biggest difference between amateurs and professionals is training. So, you know, having proper training and, and you know, I love that. Uh, Cameron, any thoughts on that that you've seen over the last seven years that you've been in, in restaurants that you've seen, okay, you know what, these are a couple things that I have seen build a successful restaurant or a store or a good culture or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that kind of goes back to the uh a little bit of what we were talking about before we actually started the podcast about, you know, you starting your business when you were really young and kind of some of the vendors are going like, okay, kid, you know, like, let's, let's move along yeah. is that that's kind of the thing too, is like when you're young and you're starting in the industry and, uh, and you are in a role of leadership, sometimes you do have things that you want to implement or try to, uh, put into place. And it, it, it's really important to have those things, but every now and again, you get that that backlash or you know people that fight back or you know sometimes it's hard uh stepping in into something new and being able to change your um culture immediately um it takes time to change your culture and uh it, it takes a lot of time to also change the mindset of people that have been on a one-way track their entire life um, and that's the hardest part but whenever you find your niche and I, I think that you have to address everybody differently as well um, I think everybody res responds differently, you know, whether it's past traumas in their life, whether it's just uh, they don't react well to a way that somebody talks to you or maybe they need it spelled out a little more. You never know. So um, 
as you're developing your crew and learning about your crew so they can be more structured, you kind of have to um, learn them, who, yeah. who they are, where they're from, talk about their childhood, talk about their past, um, get to know them on a deeper level because once you get to know somebody at a deeper level and you know where their heart's at, um, everybody plays by the heart. One of the biggest things that I learned in the industry is that if you remember their name, you have them for a lifetime. Sure. Um, if I have a guy walk in the building, he comes and gets a pork sandwich to go ask him his name, he comes back six months later, I remember name. He's going to come back yeah. and he's gonna come and need again. And he's gonna remember my name because he, I had enough respect to remember his name or her name or yeah. no, whoever's name. I mean, uh, Dale Carnegie in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People says, the sweetest word in people's vocabulary is their name. That's their name. That's it. Like we, if you're able to call somebody by their first name, they're like, wow, this person paid attention. Um, and yeah, back to your back to your statement about you know culture and all that. It's, it's why when a company gets acquired, a lot of times the company that bought out the other one will get rid of everybody because they want their culture in there. Absolutely right. And and so um, so yeah, it, it does take time to get a good culture and having empathy towards staff and having people skills and you know what I mean. And so. You know, uh, yelling at everybody is not going to work. Right. But yelling at some people may work because I fire them up to get things. Go I mean, you know, everybody's different. Some people, some people are hard headed. They they have to be taken out to the dumpster and have a hard conversation. Sure. Where most people, you know, if, if you talk to them with respect sure. and you pull them out of their element and talk to them so that they feel less comfortable and more open to listening. Um, but I will tell you that successful restaurants or operations, it goes down to the people. Hire the right people. Hundred percent. You know, we, to have the right culture, you have to hire the right people. Yep. If you don't hire people that fit your culture or, or what your vision of your culture is, then it's not going to work. Yeah. No, I a million percent agree. Um, uh, Coach K at Duke talks about that. I think somebody had interviewed him and said, "How do you have people that live up to the standard that you have here at Duke?" And he said, "I don't. We find people that already have that standard and and understand this culture." of working hard and respect and all that. And I'm like, dang, that's awesome. Absolutely. Like that, that was like, what a powerful statement. So anyway, um, okay, let, let's talk about some, some kind of last thoughts on suggestions, thoughts, recommendations. People are listening to this that, you know, have aspirations. Maybe they're comfortable in a job and they're, you know, they just, they want to grow. They want to start a business. They want to move up. They want, I mean, what are some thoughts, suggestions on things that you guys have learned over the over your career that can help somebody with, you know, um, just continuing to, to 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 grow in their field and make more money and, and you know provide for their family. Any thoughts? Anything that, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot that we covered. Oh you gosh. Know, but any any last thoughts? I think one of the biggest things is people. You have to be open-minded to change. Yeah. So people who are used to, this is how we always do it, or this is what I'm used to. Even when you go to a new job, most people are so comfortable in their past job that they try to convert their new job to that old culture. Be open-minded to learn new about the new place you go to. You know, why do they do it? They're successful for a reason. And just taking the knowledge and be, be easy, you know, be ready to apply yourself and, you know, kind of bend a little bit and move a little bit. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me, Cameron being able to go from pizza peel to improper pig yep. and wanting to, he didn't bring the environment from the pizza peel to the improper pig. He came in there going, I'm a sponge ready to absorb everything you have. And I got to see the ultimate payoff for that. So, um, and, and I wanted to share that with you yep. 
I went to a U.S. food show not too long ago, U.S. Foods, and I took Cameron with me. And watching Cameron talk to the people that I've known for 30-some years and them kind of like embrace him as if they had a relationship with him his entire life um, and how he just kind of jumped right in and kind of took over my spot as far as, uh, you know, I, I was, it's almost like looking at me years ago and actually watching that interaction. It, it's something that's really neat. Sure. So to me, I'm going like, he'll be able to pass on a different piece of culture to every operation he goes to because he takes care of his people, you know? And so I, I'm proud of that. And I think that anybody who has an opportunity to work under him is going to learn something that uh, is great, special and different. Love that. So. Love that. Cameron, your thoughts, anything you want to add to, you know, tips, suggestions. Um, obviously, you mentioned a lot of culture, being humble. You know, a lot, a lot of great tips there. But any, any last, any last thoughts? Absolutely. Um, I think, in whatever your path and quote unquote what you believe success should be for you, uh, it's very important to treat the people around you very well because the same people you see on the way up are the same ones you see on the way down. Um, and and I and I think it's an invaluable that you have to take care of your people uh, and nobody gets to the top alone yep. and nobody fails alone yep. it, it, the company you keep is the company you reap uh, and, you, and you have to surround yourself with the right people you have to surround yourself with people that want to grow and learn and not stay stagnant and you have to be around people that you love and care deeply about um, and that's that's how you get where you're going um, if you don't have somebody with a foot up your butt every now and again yeah. telling you what you're doing wrong, what sure. you're doing right, sure. um, celebrating you and also telling you when you need to get fixed up, uh, I think that's the only way that you kind of get to that next step. My best relationships and my, my people that are most successful around me are the ones that were constantly on top of each other. Yeah. We're correcting each other. We're making sure that we're on top of each other because I don't want to see you fail and you don't want to see me fail. Yeah. And that's not, failing is not an option, so. No, I mean, there, there is a level of, <clears throat> when you're accountable to somebody, you know, there's a level of respect and just drive. You know, you, we're, all, we're, all, we're always going to let ourselves down. It's like, you know, but, you know like, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning. You know, if it's just me, I may or may not go. If I'm going to see Cameron tomorrow morning at the gym at 7 a.m. and you're counting me to be there, I'm going to be you're there. there. Right? Like, <laughs> like, there's something about accountability when it comes to camaraderie and teamwork and, and building successful organizations that you can't beat. Like, you have to have that that kind of thing there. So, um, gentlemen, this was awesome. This was awesome. I absolutely love it. Uh, improper pig, you know, just everything about the restaurant, the vibe, the culture, you know. I appreciate you guys sharing yeah. your experiences, your backgrounds. Um, you know, with that, episode three is a wrap. Check it out. Come by. Check these guys out. Um, the 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 whole the whole company. Improper Pig, Pizza Peel, Flying Biscuit Biscuits. Cafes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys have multiple locations. I'm five, six stores now. I mean, seven, seven restaurants. Seven yep. restaurants in Charlotte and the suburbs. And so, um, anyway, appreciate you, you know, appreciate you guys being on the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I'm a Tar Heel fan. Tar Heel fan over here. Okay, my bad. Uh, no, anyway, we, we enjoyed it. Great to see you guys. Have an awesome, awesome rest of your day.